0: Today we are looking at the gospel and comfort. We've experienced a lot of loss in our community, a lot of loss. Uh, probably if I asked for a raise of hands of people that have known someone, either related to them or a friend, um, there'd be a lot of hands that would be in the air. And so I thought it would be appropriate to talk about God's comfort. We need comfort because life hurts. In recent days, our community experienced the loss of Trent Hofer, who many of us know, and several others that have experienced the loss of a loved one. Uh, These losses leave us with feelings of deep sorrow and grief, and we try to make sense of it, We're supposed to try to figure out how do we pick up our lives and move on and what are we supposed to learn from this? Where are people supposed to turn to find comfort and ways to cope with these losses and difficulties? And where do people turn, typically turn to find relief for their situation? As I thought about some of those questions, I thought some people look to food for comfort. We even call some food comfort food. You know, we pull out a big bag of Cheetos and chow down, or we pull out sugary sweets and we eat those, and somehow that's going to bring comfort to us. Some people do that, they turn to that. Food becomes their medicine to satisfy their anxiousness. Others just become couch potatoes and they veg out on television Or scan Facebook and the internet for hours on end doing mindless things. But it doesn't really bring the comfort that's needed. Others latch on to somebody else for security in a relationship other than God. Other people shop till they drop. They shop, shop, shop and that's going to bring relief to them. They feel good when they buy something. But I think our passage here tells us there's another way to find comfort for our soul that Paul talks about in 2 Corinthians chapter 1. And we want to turn there and we want to look at this. We want to see where true comfort comes from. True comfort and where it comes from. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, beginning in verse 3. Paul says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion, and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles, so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves have received from God. For just as the sufferings of Christ flow over into our lives, so also through Christ our comfort overflows. If we are distressed, it is for your comfort and salvation. If we are comforted, it is for your comfort, which produces in you patient endurance of the same sufferings we suffer. And our hope for you is firm because we know that just as you share in our sufferings, so also you share in our comfort. We do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, about the hardships we suffered in the province of Asia. We were under great pressure, far beyond our ability to endure, so that we despaired even of life. There are many opportunities in our life that we experience discomfort. Uh, I remember even as a kid in school taking a test and the test anxiety was there. The lack of comfort, the idea that you might fail the test. And maybe as kids here, as students, maybe you have felt that before. Uh, Then growing up um, and getting married, and beginning to raise a family, I remember the first child we had, Ryan, we brought him home, and it's like, now I need to change a diaper. As silly as that sounds, how do I do this? I don't have YouTube, I, how do I do this, you know? And I learned that when you have little boys, it's good to have a little cloth to put over them, when you change the diaper. If you have boys, you know what I'm talking about. Um, but the discomfort level of doing something that simple And then when they began to ride a bike, oh, he's going to fall, you know, the discomfort level that was there when he's going to fall, or whatever the case might be. Or when he began to drive a car, now he's driving down the road, and I'm like, oh my goodness, you know, um, the discomfort. And so really we can go from very mild things to very serious things, up to illness, loss of life. In other words, we face all these discomforting situations throughout our life, don't we? We really do. Discomfort. Paul, as a pastor, was facing a lot of discomfort writing to the Corinthians. Why was he facing discomfort as a pastor? Because the church had a lot of problems, they had all kinds of problems. And so he begins to write to them about some of the problems they had. They had lawsuits going on within the fellowship. They had uh, where they were eating meat, and some people didn't like that And because of about sacrificed idols and things of that nature. The Lord's Supper was being abused. Spiritual gifts, there was ignorance about spiritual gifts. There was ignorance about marriage. There was immorality in the church. All these things were going on and Paul is trying to address these issues in the church and I can only imagine as a pastor you feel a lot of discomfort in doing that. And so now he's coming to his second letter to this church and he's wanting to find comfort in them and he does. And we want to look at how he does that. He starts off, he says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles so we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves have received from God. Paul is saying, No matter what happens, God is the source of our comfort. God's comfort is both personal and corporate, it is all sufficient. He comforts us. He alleviates our sorrow and distress. He gives us emotional strength to deal with loss and disappointment. He gives us patient endurance, power to withstand hardship or stress. He gives us inward strength to deal with whatever life throws at us. And that's really part of the comfort that comes as God gives us inward strength, emotional strength to deal with whatever life throws at us. He tells us in Isaiah 40, verse 31, They who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. And what is the thing that characteristic of eagles is their powerful strength. And God is able to give us internal strength when we're going through incredible loss and difficulty and discomfort in our lives. When the gas tank is empty and you pull up to the pump and you fill the pump you fill the tank with gas. When I was a bread salesman, I remember we had acquired another company and there was an older man who was nearing retirement age and he had driven different trucks and we had gas trucks and we had diesel fuel trucks and he happened to have a, a, a gas truck one day and he accidentally put diesel fuel, he put the wrong fuel in the tank, you never want to start it up with that. You could have an explosion. And I think about how many people are running around with an empty tank and they're trying to fill their tank with something other than God to bring comfort to their life. And it's not going to work. God fills our tanks with fresh mercy. He tells us God's mercies are new every morning and His faithfulness is great. He fills our tanks with fresh mercy to deal with the harsh realities of life. How did God bring comfort to Paul's heart through this church with so many problems? God comforted Paul's heart through Titus. Titus. He had had Titus in Corinth, and it tells us if we look at just a few chapters later in 2 Corinthians chapter 7, in verse 6, it says this, But God, who comforts the downcast, comforted us by the coming of Titus. Why did Titus bring comfort to them? Because Titus brought back word that the Corinthians still loved and cared about Paul as a pastor, even though he confronted the church on several issues that they needed to be confronted on, and he was afraid how they might respond to him. He still confronted them, spoke the truth in love, and they still loved Paul as their pastor. And it brought comfort to Paul's heart because he wasn't sure how they were going to respond and so Paul personally felt a deep sense of deep relief and comfort when he received word of how the Corinthians responded to his strongly worded letter. And the other thing I want to say about God's comfort is it's always timely. It's timely. It comes when we need it. Proverbs 25:11 says, A word fitly spoken is like apples of gold in a setting of silver. Have you ever been just discomforted and then someone picks up the phone or sends you a text or sends you a card in the mail and it's so timely because it's something you needed at that moment and God is able to provide that. Proverbs 15, 23, a person finds joy in giving an app reply and how good is a timely word. That was a very timely word from Titus to Paul's heart. Paul had a heavy heart for the Corinthians, and he found relief from this heaviness of heart through the news of Titus. We also see God bringing comfort to David's heart in the Old Testament. And how did God bring comfort to David's heart? He did it when David began to reflect on the character of God. God's character. Here's what he says in Psalm 31, 7. I will rejoice and be glad in your steadfast love because you have seen my affliction. You have known the distress of my soul. What did David focus on in the midst of his discomfort? He says, I will rejoice and be glad in your steadfast love. God's love brought delight to David's heart. The Bible says nothing can separate us from the love of God. Nothing can separate us from his love. I'm reminded of the song, The Love of God. Listen to these words. The love of God is greater far than tongue or pen can ever tell. It goes beyond the highest star and reaches to the lowest hell. The guilty pair bowed down with care God gave his son to win. His erring child he reconciled and pardoned from his sin. O love of God, how rich and pure how measureless and strong it shall forevermore endure the saints and angels song i think one of the privileges we have as god's children is we have the privilege to focus on the love of god that nothing can separate us from his love no matter how deep our pain how deep our affliction how discomfort we have god's love is greater than that David also took notice of God's omnipresence with him. He says, I will rejoice and be glad in your steadfast love. He goes on to say in Psalm 31, seven, because you have seen my affliction. God was there superintending, watching over David's life, and he saw the affliction that David was in. We remember back in the New Testament in Exodus when God's people were in Egyptian bondage God came down. And he says, I have seen the misery of my people. That's a comfort to know, isn't it? Because sometimes when we're going through a very, very hard time, one of the things we feel, can feel, is invisible. Does God really see me? Does he really care about the hurt and pain that I'm in right now? Because I don't think anybody cares. Not only does God care, he sees right into your broken heart. And he wants to help you and minister to you. God's omnipresence. David echoes that idea in Psalm 23, 4. He says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. God is with us no matter what we're going through. He is there for us. Chris Tomlin wrote a song a few years ago called Good, Good Father. The opening lines of that song says, I've heard a thousand stories of what they think you're like, but I've heard the tender whispers of love in the dead of night, and you tell me that you're pleased, and listen to this, and that I'm never alone, never alone. That's who God is. Psalm 33:13 says, The Lord looks down from heaven. He sees all the children of man. From where he sits enthroned, he looks out on all the inhabitants of the earth. He who fashions the hearts of them all and observes all their deeds. God was not only omnipresent in seeing David's affliction, he goes on to say in psalm 31 7 you also have known the distress of my soul god knows the distress of our soul that is a wonderful wonderful thought that he understands you see we can look really good on the outside and inside we can be full of agony and hurt and turmoil and god sees that distress inside your soul That's a comfort to me, that I'm not going it alone. And so God brought comfort to David's heart through reflecting on God's character. God never changes. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. So whatever loss I have doesn't change who God is. It doesn't change his love. It doesn't change his presence. It doesn't change his care. It means that he is going to walk with me through that valley. Just as he walked through the valley of the shadow of death with David, he does it with us. God also brought Jesus comfort in the Garden of Gethsemane, didn't he? Jesus is there pouring out his soul. He's realizing the the weight of the cross and the sacrifice of Calvary that is in the shadow of what he's going to face and giving his life on the cross. And how does Jesus find comfort in the garden? He does it by praying three times. He prays to the Lord. And it seems like his soul is in anguish, the Bible says. But then he's reminded of God's power. Here's what he says to his captors. In Matthew 26, he says, Do you think... I cannot call on my Father, and he will at once put at my disposal more than 12 legions of angels. In other words, God could rescue me out of this situation like that if he wanted to. But I realize that God, my Father, is sovereign, and he's choosing to allow me to go through this suffering, but he's going to carry me through because he's that powerful. Jesus further was comforted by the fact that his death was necessary to fulfill prophecy In Matthew 26, 54, he says, But how then would the Scriptures be fulfilled that say it must happen this way? It brought comfort to Jesus to know that God was fulfilling his word. God will fulfill his word to us as well. Job was also comforted by remembering God's power. Job says in Job 42, verse 2, I know that you can do all things and that no purpose of yours can be thwarted. No purpose of God will ever be thwarted. I remember the first missions trip I ever took to Romania. As I took that trip, I flew by myself to Hungary, Budapest, Hungary. And I met up with my former uh, missions professor there. He let me spend the night with him. And then the next morning, he took me to the train station and when I got down to the train station, he was putting me on the train, and I had an eight-hour train ride to uh, Romania to meet uh, a couple missionary friends who was going to take me to a church and do ministry uh, that week. Now, yes, you talk about discomfort. There was a little discomfort. I didn't know the Romanian language. I didn't even know how to ask how to go to the bathroom uh, in Romanian language. I didn't know anything. Um, Actually, I did learn stenga dreapta. Stenga dreapta. It was like right or left. Which way do I get off the train, you know? Um, I needed to know that. But here was the deal. My former professor talks to a man at the train station who talks to his relative who's riding on the train who is in my cabin, and he's riding more than eight hours. He knows the train He knows the country, and he can tell me where to get off on the train. Is that the faithfulness of God, the sovereignty of God? Here I was in a very discomfortable situation, and God provides the person that I needed to give me the message that I needed at that moment. I remember telling our single adults, I said, well, please pray for me as I go on this trip because I said, if I don't get off at the right stop, I have no idea how to get in touch with these missionary friends. And so I could be starting a new work there. <laughs> I mean, if, they don't, if I don't know where to go, I could be starting a new work. So, uh, but the faithfulness of God. So let me ask you a, a couple questions here. What attributes of God's character do you find the most comfort in? What attributes of God's character do you find the most comfort in? What attributes of God's character do you need to lean on in the days ahead? And then this should be our prayer. Ask God to give you the faith to trust him to provide the comfort you need for your troubled heart. The second aspect of comfort I want to mention this morning is the comfort we receive from God is to be passed on to others. We are not to keep that comfort for ourselves. Notice what he says here in the passage. The God of all comfort who comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves have received from God. We are not to keep that comfort for ourselves. God comforts us so we can comfort others. That's one of the beautiful things of the gospel. The gospel is always others-centered. Reaching out to others, helping others. That means when you're in the waiting room at the hospital, you can reach over and say, what are you here for? How can I pray for you? How can I encourage you when you're there? You go into the nursing home and and visit with someone, how can I pray for you and encourage you and bring comfort to you? are things we can do. You see, the blessing of God's comfort is to bless others with God's comfort. God uses other people to refresh us. Think back in your own life when somebody spoke a word of encouragement into your life and a word of comfort into your life. What did that mean to you when you needed to hear that the most? It ministered to you in incredible ways. Why does God allow us to go through suffering? Discomfort? The answer is in Romans 5, verse 3 and 4. He says this, Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. So what is God trying to do when he takes us through suffering? Just to make us hurt? No. No. He is trying to develop perseverance and character in us, and this perseverance and character develops our hope. What was one of the biggest problems in the church in Corinth? We listed many, many problems they had in the church in Corinth, but it all stemmed out of one major problem, spiritual immaturity. You see, the reason people were suing one another, abusing the Lord's Supper, doing all those things, mistreating one another, was because they were spiritually immature. And God wants to develop us in our spiritual maturity, and he does that with perseverance. He does that with our character, and he develops our hope. Can I share one of my concerns about the church at large? Not just Bethesda, but the church at large. Is that Sunday has become an add-on day. It's an add-on day. In, in other words, I, I just read something recently by an author, and I never heard it put quite this way, but he said, he said, it's like Sunday now has become another Saturday. We just have two Saturdays for the weekend instead of Sunday. And that concerns me about the church at whole. That we have given up the comfort see Sunday is actually a day that God has given us as a day of comfort that we set aside and we can rest and reflect on God's goodness and God's grace and his faithfulness to us and but we're so busy our lives and fill our lives that we've actually sacrificed the comfort that God wants to give us even on the Lord's day we've sacrificed it I think in many many ways So Paul talks about this comfort that comes from the Lord and that we need to pass it on to one another. And then he gives an illustration of how God brought comfort into his life in a horrendous situation and we don't even know what the situation was. But we do know that his situation was so bad that he felt like he was going to die. Look back again in verse 8. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, about the hardships we suffered in the province of Asia. We were under great pressure, far beyond our ability to endure, so that we despaired even of life. Have you ever been in that kind of situation? You just didn't feel like you were going to make it. There was so much pressure and stress on you that you were at the breaking point and you were going under and you weren't coming back up. That's where Paul was. We don't know exactly what the situation was. He says, Indeed, in our hearts we felt the sentence of death, but this happened that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. He has delivered us from such a deadly peril, and he will deliver us. In him we have set our hope that he will continue to deliver us as you help us by your prayers. What was God trying to do? He was trying to teach Paul more about who he was. What was the result of this hardship? There were two outcomes of this painful hardship. Number one, Paul learned to more fully rely on God than himself. I don't think we should be surprised by struggles and suffering. Paul faced many struggles in his journey to make the gospel known. Let me just mention a couple of them. A thorn in the flesh, shipwrecks, incarceration. He was flogged. He was beaten with rods. Five times he received 40 lashes with a whip minus one. He was stoned. He experienced hunger, thirst, cold, pressure from caring for the churches. That's what Paul faced. But then he said, this happened... That we might not rely on ourselves, but on God himself. That's a great lesson to learn. And that's what God wants to teach us through all the hardships that we go through, is he wants us to learn to depend on him. Which means there is a motivation to pick up the scripture on Monday for me, to find comfort for Monday morning. Especially if you watch the news, right? Right? There's a need for comfort after you watch the news. Tuesday morning, there's a need to pick up the scripture. Why? Because I'm looking for comfort for my soul. There's a need to pick it up on Wednesday morning because there's a need for comfort for my soul. I need to remember who I'm relying on. It's not me, it's the Lord. Secondly, the second result of this hardship is that Paul's confidence and hope was in god's deliverance it wasn't in his ability it wasn't in his wisdom his confidence and his hope was in god's deliverance see we need to believe that god is able to do what he has promised he is able to do what he promised remember abraham he believed the promise of god he did not waver the bible says concerning the promise of God but he grew strong in his faith and he gave glory to God fully convinced that God was able to do what he promised I'm reminded of Horatio Spafford Horatio Spafford lived in the 1800s he was a successful attorney in Chicago he was a father of four daughters, and he was an active member in his church, and he was a big supporter of D.L. Moody and evangelism. Through a series of calamities that began, starting with the Great Chicago Fire of 1871. It wiped out his family's extensive real estate investments. He had planned to join Mr. Moody in Great Britain for evangelistic crusades, but in November of 1873 Spafford was detained by urgent business and he sent his wife and his four daughters on ahead in a ship across the Atlantic Little did he know that within a few hours that ship would be struck by an English vessel and it sank in 12 minutes all four of the Spafford's daughters Tanetta, Maggie, Annie, and Bessie were among the 226 who drowned. Mrs. Spafford was among the few who were miraculously saved. Horatio Spafford stood hour after hour on the deck of a ship that was carrying him to rejoin his sorrowing wife in Cardiff, Wales, When the ship passed the approximate place where his precious daughters had drowned, Spafford received sustaining comfort from God that enabled him to write, when peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot, thou hast taught me to say, it is well with my soul. How could he possibly pen such beautiful words from such a broken heart? Because he knew the God of all comfort. That's how he did it. So a couple things I would encourage you to do as you're facing discomfort in your life Hardship, difficulty, affliction. Meditate on the truth that God is faithfully watching over your life. It's a great meditation. Know that God's ears are tuned to your trouble. Psalm 34:15 says, "The eyes of the Lord are toward the righteous." and his ears toward their cry. In verse 17, it says, when the righteous cry for help, the Lord hears and delivers them out of all their troubles. And then one other thing I would encourage you in is this. When it seems like God is not hearing and answering and responding to your request, understand that God's divine delays do not mean his denial. He has a reason. He has a purpose. If you go back to the story of Lazarus, Mary was like, Lord, if you had been here, our brother wouldn't have died. But the Bible says he stayed where he was at for two more days because he had a plan and a purpose. And sometimes God puts us under that pressure and under that difficulty to teach us to lean on him. Let's bow together for a word of prayer. I would just ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes. Maybe you can reflect back on a moment in your life that is a significant marker for you of God's comfort in your life. Or maybe there's someone in your life that you can thank the Lord for that he sovereignly placed in your life to be a source of comfort to you. And then I would just encourage you to pray about God leading you to someone this week whom you can bring comfort to with your words and your actions. Ask him to lead you to someone that you can bring comfort to this week. Let's pray. We hope you've enjoyed today's message. If you would like to know more about Bethesda Church, you can check us out on the web by going to our website, which is Bethesda M. B.org. That's Bethesda, M as in Mary, B as in boy.org. Or check us out on Facebook by searching for Bethesda Church of Huron. Have a blessed day.